Mega Voice Live podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Phil Tu. This is a production of McGuire Entertainment Group. Listen as we interview each artist and give you a new sound in the air. What's up, everybody? Hey, we are here live with recording artists, pastor, uh, even sports analysis. Uh, we are here with Pastor David Wright. What's going on, bro? What's up, Pastor Dr. Wesley? How yes, are you, sir. man? I'm doing well. How you doing? I'm great, man. I'm great. So glad to have you on today. So glad to have you on today. I'm glad to be here. Glad to be here. Yeah, everybody, uh, check it out. We're on the Mega Life uh, podcast live. So listen, we'd love for you to go ahead and share our video. And we'd love for you to just uh, uh, subscribe to our channel. And uh, we want you to share this out to your friends, your network. Get the word out there. And uh, thank you so much, everyone, for uh, being a part of this. So. The Mega Life uh, podcast. We're talking about this is Black History Month. We are also talking about your father, Reverend Timothy Wright, and and the impact that he's made on Black history and gospel music. So, uh, once again, thank you so much for being a part of this. And we're going to tell everybody where they can uh, download music and and get information from you. But, okay, uh, great. Yeah. Let's talk about your dad for a minute. Um, let's talk about his impact. Yes. Well, my father was the late Reverend Timothy Wright. You can see in the background <laughs> his picture back there. But um, he was a great man of God, a great gospel musician and a great gospel songwriter, great gospel uh, performer, gospel artist. And he was in gospel music for a little over 40 years. And I was just talking to somebody, greatness is not just what you do and your time, but it's your longevity. And, and he was in gospel music for 40 years, all the way from the 60s. And he, he started um, writing gospel songs even in 1966, 67. He had his groups and different things. And he lasted all the way up until his demise in 2009. And um, great songwriter, he wrote some of the great gospel classic songs that we hear. People still sing his songs today. Like Who's, Who's on the Lord's Side, Trouble Don't Last Always, We're Gonna Make It, in the latest one that is still being sung in every church. We're, uh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Mm. So uh, we thank God for his life and his legacy. And because he lived such, such a strong life, such an effective life, we're still talking about him even after he's gone. That's right. That's right. The impact. Let me tell you something. He wrote Jesus, 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 uh, even through another pandemic that we yes. had in that time. So right after Katrina, uh, he comes out with this song. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, and with that song, Jesus, 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 my mom and my dad um, got together and collaborated on that song. My mom wrote it, and my father put some other things to it, and they were just watching the news, and uh, Hurricane Katrina was so horrible, 
if anybody can remember back that far, you know, thousands of people lost their lives and we were watching the news and we had friends there, pastor friends there in New Orleans that had lost their churches. And my father wrote a song in the midst of a tragedy. He turned a tragedy into a song. He turned yeah. sorrow into a song. And those are the songs that last long. When you can remember the story that goes with the song. Remember what you were going through when, when you heard that song. And that song was able to help millions of people across the country get through Hurricane Katrina. That's amazing. And you know... Um he kind of took it old school even then because he's talking throughout the song and yeah. sharing that Shirley Caesar moment type of story. Like the song is not the song unless you're hearing the storyline with it. Right. And he's telling you about the old lady and, and, and talking to the young man. And, and, and that's what makes the song right there. Just Absolutely. to the story. And it brings life to the song. It brings you through a narrative of the song and also the situation, you know, especially them sitting in the Superdome. Uh, it, it, it's just been crazy. Yes. Yes. And with, with the story, you can actually put yourself in the actual place where they are. That's yeah. what the story does. It puts you in place of the people that he's talking about. And you can visualize it. So, um, he was, he was a genius when it came to that. Yeah. Wow. Were you, in conversation with him at the time he was writing the song did he talk to you about you know inspiration while he was writing well that particular song my mom wrote that song on sunday morning in the midst of sunday morning service wow yes it was um the sunday after everything happened with hurricane katrina and she came she uh -huh. sent a note a note up to my dad in the pulpit i was on the organ and she started to sing this little song and I just put some chords to it. We didn't have a writing session. The Holy Ghost just fell. And my father didn't even have to preach that Sunday because he took the song over and then he added, you know, it started with just Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he added, healer, 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 savior, savior, savior. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And the service just, that was the end of that service. Wow. The folk couldn't get right. It happened right on Sunday. It was a spare of the moment song. I didn't have time to practice it. My father said, just follow me. And we followed him, and there you go. That's the song. That's right. Wow. We got our comments all the way from England. All right. So all the way from England, uh, the UK, you know, people are recognizing uh, the music. And so, you know, that, that's a powerful thing. That's awesome. My father actually did a record in London years ago. With the London Fellowship Choir that's called right. uh, "Leaning On, Everlasting On." Woo! That's a, that's a legendary song. Yeah, yeah. That's a legendary song. Um, that's that album. Is that the one where "Come Thou Almighty King" is on as well, or no, no? Is that that was, on that the everlasting. Was, uh, yeah, that was, "Come Thou Almighty King" was '93. "Leaning On, Everlasting On" in London was '94. Wow. How how did he do this, like, hit to hit? I mean, there's not one choir that hasn't sung one of his songs. That's the, um, the greatness of Reverend Timothy Wright. Because from, if you go from 88 to 95, every year he had at least one hit song. 
And it's hard enough getting one hit song, but to have several hit songs, it, it, it takes a level of anointing. And God definitely had his hands on my father because he's written over 850 songs that have touched this nation. 850 songs. I'm at song number 50, and he got 850. I'm like, oh, Lord, I, you know. It's like looking at Tom Brady to go. He got seven championships. Ain't nobody catching that. Ain't nobody. Nobody. <laughs> so we, we just following by, follow behind greatness, man. And as a musician, he was also a musician. So he, he didn't have to wait on anybody else to help him collaborate with a song. The song came from his hands and his mind and his voice. That's amazing. It, it pays to be a musician. I tell you that. Oh, yes. It pays to be a musician. Uh, has anybody contacted you for uh, a verses yet? <laughs> Timothy uh, Wright verses? You know what? They, we were supposed to uh, do the verses. I know Bishop Hezekiah Walker and John P. Key had a verses. Right. And the winner was supposed to go against the Reverend Timothy Wright catalog. Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> yes. They declined. They backed no out. Because, it, and they know, my father mentored both of them guys. And they they said, no, it wouldn't be fair. Because, you know, my father had several choirs. You know, Bishop Hezekiah has his church choir, and John Piquet has his, his, his group, his choir. My father had a choir in Chicago, a choir in London, a choir in Cincinnati, a whole New York Fellowship choir that Bishop Hezekiah Walker was in. That's, that wouldn't be fair. <laughs> it wouldn't be fair. So they back they backed out. But the next oh, verse we're looking at the verses of of uh, legends. And the verses are very fun. It, it's no it's not really competitive. It, it's very fun. But we're looking at Andre Crouch and Timothy Wright catalog against each other. Okay. Okay. I see that. I see that. I, I, I would have thought that Andre and Walter Hawkins would have been more the, the, the catalog. Yeah, but that's West versus West. That, yeah, that's true. That's true. We're looking at West versus East. East. Yeah, We're I like that. that old Biggie and Tupac beat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's Source Awards, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I like it. I love it. I, I think it needs to happen. Like, Absolutely. It needs to happen. Because, I, again, I don't know a choir that has it. I remember... Um, my daughter's choir in Maryland, uh, she has a, um, at, at the Restoration Praise Center, uh, they taught the children's choir, teach me how to pray. Oh, so wow. I want to get her going. I start playing, teach me how to pray. Yeah, that's another awesome one. And that's that. on the same record as Come Thou Almighty King. Right. Okay. Okay. And I, and I remember looking up the video and seeing, you know, it, it was kind of like past the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, Richard I, Albert I, Jameson and his twin brother was on there. Yeah, on that song. Wow. So, so tell us how. What was it like growing up in a legendary home like that? I mean, and, and let me tell you something. I do have a Timothy Wright moment. I met him in Freeport at um, the Rims store. Oh like, man! New rims for my BMW. He was getting rims for his his Benz, um, done, and he's standing right next to me, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm just like awestruck. Uh, hello, hello. <laughs> Absolutely, man. My pops, 
he loved his rims. Yes. He he loved his rims. He loved cars, and he kept them clean. And it, it was a, yeah, because we used to live in Roosevelt, right, right yeah. next door to Freeport. That's right. That's right. Yeah, but growing growing up in that house in the household, you know, we grew up in Brooklyn, New York, in public housing mm. is where we really grew up in East New York, Brooklyn. Okay. Over on Cozine Ave, and uh, we never, uh, because of our surroundings, we never really felt like our father was some great giant of a man, you know, no, some great giant musician or, or songwriter. He was just dad to us. Yeah. But not until we would go out somewhere and people, before people took pictures like they do now, folks wanted autographs back in the uh, 80s. And okay. they were like, well, why, why didn't you want me to sign this? That wasn't. And then once we got older, we realized that he was really some something special, but at home he was just dad, you know, yeah. just just your normal dad. Him and my mom, and and it was five of us, five boys. Wow. So we, we we just lived the regular the regular life, man. And a, a good time for us was him coming home with a box of white castles. <laughs> that was a good time for us. That was definitely the Brooklyn way. Oh yes. Definitely. In fact, White Castle is the first version of Sliders. Before they called them Sliders, it was White Castle. It was White Castle years ago. Eons. Years ago. And if you were in the South, it was Crystals. Crystals, yes. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely yeah, remember that, those days. Yeah, that's how, that's how we came up. He made sure, you know, with him and my mom, raising five boys in Brooklyn, New York, was not easy in the 80s and 90s. But um, they they did the best to keep us out of trouble. We did our best to stay out of trouble. Yeah. And when God was able to move us out of there to Long Island, he did. Back in 95, we moved from Brooklyn to Long Island. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. I The year before, I just finished um, high school at Uniondale. Oh, okay. Yeah, because okay. I grew up in Hempstead right next to Roosevelt. Yeah. Street. So, yeah, I remember those days, man. I think your dad was probably the only one who can ride around in all tinted windows. Like, even the front window was tinted. Black. All the way black. black. And the, cop, the cops wouldn't bother him. Wow. They never bothered him. <laughs> he knew how to talk his way out of the ticket. He could do that. <laughs> I would have loved to see that moment. I would have loved yeah. to see that moment. So, now... um. So you're growing up. When are you starting to learn to play the piano and the organ and everything? Well, I I started. I always knew how to play piano a little bit since I was about five or six. Okay, but I really didn't have a love for it. Mm. So I really stopped playing until I was sixteen years old, mm. and I knew one song from the choir, just one song. And the musician that we had did not show up that Sunday morning. So I played that one song. January of 1995, I was 16 years old. I played that one song. And my father stopped the service, pointed at me, and told the church, I'm going to be the next minister of music. I'm putting you on a shut-in for three days and three nights. He locked me in the church for three days and three nights, told me to play for an hour and pray for an hour. Wow. And then I've been playing ever since. Play for an hour and then pray for an hour. Yes. Round the clock. 
How was that for you at that age? It was horrible because <laughs> I was actually on the, I went, I went to Boys and Girls High, which is right around the corner yeah. from the church. So I was on the, I was in the midst of basketball practice and all of this stuff. I had to just completely get rid of basketball because um, they, they, they wasn't, uh, Coach Lovelace wasn't with that missing practice stuff. Somebody in a shut-in. No, no, no. So, and I'm, I'm 16 years old, and I want to do what other teenagers do. I want to do what other kids do. And here I am locked in the church on a shut-in, fasting and praying and playing for an hour and praying for an hour. But um, I really wanted to play. I really wanted to play the organ. But I didn't know I didn't know what it really took to be an anointed musician. A lot of people can play, but they're not anointed. And my father explained to me, if you want to be anointed, this is what you have to do. And I did it for them three days, and I came out anointed to play. And that was 26 years ago. Wow. And and, and it was rough, but it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see yourself now adopting that same principle today? Yeah. A absolutely, because anything that you want God to do for you, it's going to take some sacrifice on your part. You can't just sit back and want God to do everything for us, and we won't. We're not willing to sacrifice ourselves. So uh, fasting and praying still works. It does. It, it still works. So yeah. I'm adopting that same thing. You know, uh, when anything I, when, whenever I'm getting ready to do a, a major venture or another change in life or another level in life, I, I go back to those three days and say, God, if you did it before, you can do it again. That's right. That's right. Everybody, this is the Mega Voice Live podcast. This is also sponsored by McGuire, where you can get your prayed up hoodie uh, today, today at McGuire, where at McGuireENT.com. So we're talking about being prayed up now. Uh, Reverend Timothy Wright made sure that pastor now, Timothy Wright, prayed and played. So that's a phenomenal uh, yeah. experience. So now 16, and after that, you become the minister of music. Yes, after that, I actually became the musician. Okay. And um, we had another musician come that was, that was the minister of music. But I was just a musician. I was playing the keys and organ occasionally. But then once I started to elevate in my playing and that guy started not to act right, then my father was like, all right, you know. And it, and it was weird at that time because as a young musician, an older musician don't feel comfortable with you growing. Because you start growing and they start looking at dollars leaving their pockets. So sometimes people will try to hold you back. Thank God I didn't have too much of that. But once I once I got it and my father figured I had it, at the age of 19, I became the minister of music. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. That's powerful. And that's a journey that a lot of people have to take. And, and even to become great, you have to learn how to serve your local church anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're low. If, you know, you can do all these different things, but if you ain't rocking with your local church, it's null and void. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, back to that, you know, I learned that 
from my father because a lot of people don't know while he was making hits, who's on the Lord's side, we're going to make it. He was an organist and minister of music at Washington Temple. And he never missed a Sunday morning. Mm. He, he can be in California on Saturday night, catch a red eye, and be on that organ for Bishop F.D. Washington at Washington Temple on Sunday morning. So he installed that in me and my brothers. My brothers tour all over the country, all over the world, but they make sure home is taken care of. So did New York Fellowship start out of Washington Temple? No. Um, New York Fellowship started out of um, Grace Tabernacle. We, we did our first rehearsals here. Concert Choir really started out of Washington Temple. A lot of people, my father started the Timothy Wright Concert Choir in 1974 uh, or so, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And um, New York Fellowship, that was when my dad, he said he wanted to get, and that was that was very odd. I, I couldn't understand what he was saying. He said, I'm going to put all the choirs in New York together. I'm like, how are you going to do that? And he put all of the choirs together, 500 voices. Wow. And and we like, and, and I remember the rehearsal, they're like, well, what are we going to wear? Because, you know, people can't, that's one of the big arguments with a choir. What are we going to wear? What are we going to wear? He <laughs> said, all right, I'm killing all that. All y'all going to wear your own robes. Mm. So you, if you look at the Come Down Mighty King video, you see about 50 different color robes up there. <laughs> And that was that was what my father, Reverend Timothy Wright, put in place. And he was a, and they, they said it cannot be done because New York is a shyster town. Every it's a uh, crab mentality. Nobody ain't gonna work together. But he was able to get past the Donnie McClurkin, Eric Daniel, Bishop Hezekiah Walker, Jake Nixon, so many others, James Hall, Pastor Barn, so many others to work together for one vineyard. Wow, I love it. I love it. So they all collaborated for his project. Yes. Wow. So, all right, you mentioned Hezekiah Walker. Who are the other artists, well-known artists now that came out of his projects? Uh, uh, Bishop Hezekiah Walker, Pastor Donnie McClurkin, um, Pastor Jay Nixon, Marette mm -hmm. Brown Cloth. Wow. Wow. Um, From Brooklyn? Yes. Okay. David Bratton. And if anybody don't know who David Bratton is, he's the man that wrote Every Praise. That's right. And he was my father's musician. David Bratton got, my father moved David Bratton to New York. Wow. From California? From California. California to be his musician. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And that was in 86. Yeah. I, I can see snippets of David Bratton on the keys. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he, he, had, he had like this. We had hair. <laughs> yeah. He had what I call a Jerry curl fro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so many others um, that, that came came from under him. Even uh, James Hall was part of that. Pastor Bond was part of that. Mm. Um, Anthony Evans was a part of that. And it was, it was just so many. Now, you, you do a lot of uh, projects with Keith Wonderboy Johnson. So was he also a part? He was a part of the second one. He was okay. too young to be a part of the first one. Okay. Okay. But he was a part of the second one. And, you know, Keith Wonderboy Johnson from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. 
A lot of people think he's from Mississippi because he's right. quartet. <laughs> but that man is from Brooklyn, New York. Wow. And then also Earl Jones Jr. was part of the second one. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Timony and Anasia Figueroa were okay. part as well. Yeah. So he became pretty much the godfather of Brooklyn. I mean, yes. you, you want to get your claim to fame, you, you go through the godfather. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that went for artists and musicians. Wow. Yeah. Because my father may have been the only uh, artist that gave every musician a chance. There were 27 musicians on that record. Whoa. 27 musicians. So are they interchanging or are they? They're, they're interchanging. So we had Jeff Davis on drums. Rest in peace to Jeff Davis, one of the greatest drummers ever. Jason Henderson was on the drums. My brother Donnie was on the drums. Dwayne Mai was on drums. Jude Bartholomew played keys. Mike Phillips oh. played uh, horn on there. David Bratton, Greg Mitchell, Montel Thomas. Oh, man. Desi Collins. Uh, Reggie Young, Brian Wilder, and, and a lot of, when you're doing a session, you exclude a lot of musicians. you, you got a set band. But my father wanted to give everybody a shot to have their name on something. Oh, man. That, again, we're talking also about how he impacted black history. This yes. is one of the greatest ways he has impacted black history. Absolutely. For a black musician, for black artists, this is where you get your start. Even promoters like Gene Andrews, uh, he talks about. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he just gives a lot of honor to the beginning because he was a promoter. His father is a promoter. And then, you know, Gene Andrews Jr., he becomes, you know, a part of that family. So, you know, even promoting the concerts and in, in Washington Temple as well and, and, and all over, um, bringing people together like Maddie Moss um, yes. and the Clark sisters and, and, and so many other legendary artists who come through. But it's almost like, you know, to come into New York, you talk to Reverend Wright. <laughs> right. <laughs> you you got to go through him and, and talk through him. How was it? Did you, at after 16 and so, start to meet some of these major artists? Yes, I did. And and I was actually meeting them before when, when we were younger. A lot of times my father would have to take us to the studio with him. Mm -hmm. And uh, we I met so many of the artists. And, and a lot of them right now, they know me since I was um, a little kid. They know me and my brother's. Since we were little kids, um, I remember meeting Kurt Carr before he was Kurt Carr. Oh man, when he's coming yeah. to Hartford, <laughs> yeah, it's from Connecticut. And, and my father and uh, Richard White, Mister Clean, they call him. Mm -hmm. My father and Mister Clean were best friends, and Mister Clean said he got a guy that plays piano, and he and he brought him to the brought him to it came to the project right here in East New York. Wow. And Kurt Carl was just messing around on a little piano we had at the house and they were watching movies and they stay in the stay in the night. He slept on the couch. Wow. And I didn't know that was Kurt Carl, you know, the, the Kurt Carl. And when he sees me now, he remembers us from we were little kids. Wow. I'm, I'm taller than him now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and um so so many others, man, that came came through there and I, I and I met just about every gospel artists, every gospel musician through my through my dad. 
Man, that's great. That's great. And and then at the same time, you're learning how to work the studio. So you're, yeah. you're learning, you know, how to edit. And, and I mean, the back in the day with how many tracks were they working with at that time? They were working with eight, sometimes 16. Sometimes 16. And 16 was a lot back then. Yeah. I remember saving my money so I can get a little four track. Yeah, so, you know that was just for the house, you know. But I can imagine this before, the this before Pro Tools and all this stuff we got now. So um, I, I learned all of that, all of that stuff. I saw it. I saw all of these great engineers working on my father's work, and um, I, we, me and my brothers, we said we want to do this one day. You know, with playing is one thing, but understanding what you have and and editing and producing is a whole other thing. Yeah, and I can say that your projects have definitely resembled what you have learned in your past. I can say that when I put on a David Wright project and New York New Generation Fellowship, when I put on an album, I can hear the clarity and the professionalism that goes in your recording. So I, I can definitely speak to that. You put a lot of work in there. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Absolutely. Let's talk about Godfather Records. Uh, let's talk about what you're doing, what your wife is doing. Uh, you have some other artists under the label. Um, is it a label? Is it, you know, what, what is Godfather Records? Tell us about that. And then what, what's happening with Godfather? Yes, Godfather Records is a record label. It's also a production company as well. But we are a record label and we have several artists. It's, it is actually the label that my father had dreamed of starting. And he put the footprints in work. He put the stuff in place right before the accident happened. That happened in 2008. Mm -hmm. So I had a choice to just let it die or pick it up and keep his legacy living on. So I decided to keep Godfather Records moving on. And we, we focus on real gospel music. Keeping the word of God going across the nation. And on Godfather Records, of course, I'm on. I'm one of the artists on there, and I'm also the CEO. But my wife is also an artist on there. She just released a new project called In the Room, and it is amazing. And we have several other. We just released another single called No Justice, No Peace with Reverend Kevin McCall, which is a tribute to George Floyd and the George and the family of George Floyd. And um, um, we have several other artists, Tiffany Willis. She has an awesome project. She's in Virginia. And Jasper Willis, who is also in Norfolk, Virginia, he has an awesome project. Then in West Virginia, we have uh, Jonathan Willis. He has an amazing project on our record label. And then we have uh, one of the great singers in Long Island is Danielle Kelly. She has an amazing oh, Danielle project. Kelly. Yeah, she has two amazing projects on Godfather Records. And we have several other things that's going on. The New York Fellowship Children's Choir. Mm -hmm. which is ages 3 to 13, they were actually nominated for a Stella Award last year. Almost won it. Almost yeah. won it. Man, I voted. Yeah. I voted for that. Yeah, I know. We, we, they said we lost by by needle, but it was good to be nominated. Good to be nominated. Yeah, and uh, we, we got so much great things coming up for Godfather Records. And again, my wife's project, In the Room, it, it was it came in it debuted number 13 on the billboard charts so um godfather records is a respected label across uh, the nation 
and we have some new stuff coming out. There's an organ CD that I'm doing that's dedicated to my father that will be out in two weeks. And be in, be look out for uh, the New York Fellowship Mass Choir latest project, which is called Miracles. We got two singles out right now called I'm Blessed and Mighty Long Way, but the whole project should be out by Resurrection Sunday. Wow. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Now, I got to say this as a pastor, you know, I have a church. We're all virtual right now. You have, are you virtual? Or are you kind of hybrid? Well, we're doing both. We're in the sanctuary, but a lot of our, we're socially distant in the sanctuary. So we have limited capacity. So a lot of our people, like I, I've instructed my entire mother's board because they're in the 70s and 80s and have underlying conditions. Right. That they, they need to stay home and watch from home. Right. And, and some others. So about 75% of my congregation is watching from home while the other 25 are still getting the live experience. Okay. All right. Great, great. Because your project's coming out. We're going to need that playing on our videos for our virtual church. Yes. You yeah. know that right now. Absolutely. You might, might peek me and be like, wait a minute. Is that is that one of mine? I'm letting you know from now. <laughs> you got it, man. I might send it to you early. Yes. Yes, please. I'd love to debut it. Um, I'm all virtual. And, um, you know, it's been a blessing, you know, we, you know, sometimes I record from in the church or I've, I've spent a whole year just creating a studio, uh, so I can preach from it. But, um, we're looking forward to a new project. I'll make sure that, you know, we write about it. Um, as you know, I write for message magazine. I have a section called elevation media that takes you higher. So in that magazine, I've already featured your first project, the children's project. Uh, you know, so anything that you come out with, I automatically, you know, put it in there to promote. That's amazing. God bless you, bro. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to hearing the project early so I can put a review in for it even right now. Yes. We'll make sure we talk about no justice, no peace. We'll make sure we talk about it all. And that's what this Mega Life, um, Mega Voice Live uh, podcast is all about, you know, promoting legends. Uh, promoting all you know, independent artists and and all that is going through. So, who is? Do you have a distribution company that you work with? Yes, I was working with Central, Central South Distribution, right? And um, we changed uh, distribution companies to New Day Christian Distributors. Okay, okay. So that's who I'm currently with right now. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. You know, um, I'm always like interested in the behind the scenes, the projects behind the scenes, uh, what, what happens. Um, and so we wish you much success with Godfather records and, um, in, in all that you're doing, we're praying for more, uh, stellar nominations, Grammy nominations. Hallelujah. Yeah. And again, you know, black history, we honor, the legendary Reverend Timothy Wright, also his wife, who is just his backbone. Tell us about your mother. And then I want you to talk about how you went through your grieving process. As I've lost my father last year, it's been years since, well, what, 11 years now? Uh, yes, it's, it's been 12 years since I lost my, my parents. Yeah, so talk about your mom first and then talk about how you dealt with the grieving process of losing your dad. Yes, um, my mom 
She was an amazing woman of God. Amazing. And Reverend Timothy Wright would not have been what he was to the world without my mom. And um, she she was his backbone. She was the, the rock of the house. And we wouldn't have been, me and my brothers wouldn't have been where we were without her. She was a praying woman and a preaching woman. And uh, she was anointed of God. And when she passed on, it's, it's ironic to say this because they didn't die. They didn't pass at the same time. But my father helped us through the passing of our mom. Wow. Even while he was paralyzed on his backside, hmm. it was my father that planned my mother's funeral. Wow. So he told us, he said, go in the closet on the second shelf, the third dress to the back. That's the dress your mother wanted to be buried in. So they had discussions and all of this stuff. So he was able to help us through that. And um, I thank God that that he was because we couldn't do, we couldn't, that that was a that was a lot, and then my nephew also passed. That same, they they passed at the same time, so we had to have a double funeral, and we really didn't have time to grieve because right after the funeral, during the funeral, we were worried about my father who was clinging to his life. He's he's fighting for his life in the hospital, mm -hmm. so we have to get back and you know bury my mom. And uh, so many people came out. I thank God for Brooklyn. Brooklyn showed up in a mighty way. I don't even remember being at the funeral. They say I was there, but my mind was so gone. I don't remember being there. But I know Brooklyn showed up in a mighty way for us. And then my father actually recovered from the accident. He was coming to church Sunday after Sunday, but he was paralyzed from his neck down. And... Um, I, I really don't think he wanted to live that way because my father was full of life. He was full of, he was a, he was a man's man. He was on the go. He was running. He was going here, flying there, revival there. So him being on his back and paralyzed from his neck down, he, he didn't want to live that way. And he told us in the hospital, he said, y'all, when I'm ready to go, I'm out. That's exactly what he said. Wow. When I'm ready to go, I'm out. And he made sure that everything was put in place. He even had meetings with our bishops that I was even unaware of to put me in place as pastor. Whoa. And uh, nobody knew, but uh, Bishop Gaylord, Bishop Jameson, Bishop Figueroa, and Bishop, and my brother, Dwayne. Okay. Those were the only four people that knew about that. And then um, my dad. So, so um, getting through that grief process, I'm learning, and I've learned through that, you have to allow yourself to grieve. If you don't allow yourself to grieve, you'll lose your mind. Your, your mentality won't, won't be stable. And after my father's funeral, they, they really didn't give me time to grieve because I was installed past the two weeks after the funeral. So I had to do what's called leading while I'm bleeding. So while I'm still grieving and stuff, I still have to lead this group of people. That's right. And God gave me the strength to do that. Nobody but God. Nobody but God. That's why it's important to have a relationship with God because when you go through stuff like that, yeah, alcohol ain't going to help you. Uh, marijuana and weed ain't going to help you. Drugs and other things ain't going to help you. Only God will help you through that kind of stuff. And I, I thank God 
for my relationship with Jesus Christ because that's what got me through that. Love it. I love it. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. Uh, I'm going to steal that leading while bleeding. I am. I, I'll be writing on that. Trust me. I, yes, sir. I'm snatching it. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm it's, snatching it's, it. It's, uh, it's so true. We're, uh, we're in Black History Month also. You have a book called uh, The Power of Forgiveness. Yes. Um, tell us about that book and how important it is for our black community. I've also put on the screen um, your handle, Pastor DW3. Um, you can follow uh, Pastor David Wright on Instagram. Check out um, uh, Church Guys and Gals Love Sports too. Um, yeah. Off off the air, you know, I'm not going to take up too much of the people's time. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl, but that's going to be off the air. We're going to do that. <laughs> uh, you can follow them. Um, but uh, let's talk about that book, Forgiveness, how important it is for our black community today. It's very important, especially the, the climate that we're in now, because the way everything is today with this pandemic, and if you got Facebook, every time you turn, open your Facebook up, somebody else has died. Somebody else has gone on. And right now, we're realizing how short life is. Life is too short to hold grudges with friends and family because you don't know if they're going to be here tomorrow. And there's so much stuff. Well, I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have said, told them I love them. I wish I would have said, told them I forgive them. Now is the time to do all of that stuff because once people are gone, it, you, you can't get that time back. So the power of forgiveness, that's the book I wrote. And I wrote that book from the pain and from the place of the, the accident because what happened after the accident happened and my mom had, was already uh, passed away and my nephew, my father's yet in the hospital, the priest that had to bury the man that hit my father, it was a drunk driver, he hit my father head on. He died in the car accident as well. So he came up and he said, and the, and the news cameras were there. And they said, well, do you hold any animosity against this man? Do you want to repay? You want to get payback? I said, no, we are Christians and we forgive him. We wish what happened didn't happen, but we cannot hold a grudge against him because that will hold us back. Forgiveness is not just for the other person. It's really for you to free yourself from what has happened to you. Because as long as you don't forgive somebody, they still got your power. They're holding their power. Hmm. So you have to forgive so you can take your power back. Come on now. Do you have this? Um, do you have a sermon on that online on YouTube? I do somewhere on on there. We, we're gonna need to find that. Yes, I'm, I need, <laughs> I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna repost it. You you might have to just preach it again. I mean, listen, yeah. I, I'll even bring you on. You're gonna have to just <laughs> preach this thing, man, because it's so critical for men. In fact, I may have you on the Anchored Voice podcast, and we may have to just talk one session about the power of forgiveness. So, if you don't mind, I'll bring you on the other podcast, and we'll talk about the power of forgiveness. Be glad to be glad. Right. 
All right, everybody, this is the Mega Voice Live podcast. You are listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, um, all of the uh, podcast platforms. Also, you're watching on YouTube. Feel free to subscribe to our channel. As a matter of fact, here's what I'll do. The first person that subscribes to this channel, and, and, and let me just make sure I have all my information uh, on screen. So if you um, subscribe to this channel and uh, screenshot it, send it to my inbox, okay? Send it to um, my email, info at mcguireent.com. McGuire info at mcguireent.com. Screenshot, subscribe to the channel, screenshot it, send it to me. I'll purchase a book. I'll purchase a book from Pastor David Wright and I'll send it to you. So I'll make sure he gets all your information. I'll send him the money for it and we'll send you. So the first person, whether it's a replay or later on, I'm going to be checking my email. You email me at info at mcguireent.com. You can go to our website. You can go anywhere as long as you inbox me and show me uh, uh, a screenshot of your um, of your subscribing to the page, um, I will purchase the book personally and make sure he sends it to you. All right. Yes. Cause I, I believe in that book. I believe in the power of just believe that our nation and our world needs it right now. Yes. After, uh, thank you so much for your time. Um, once again, everybody, you can, uh, follow him at pastor DW three. Um, so much um, content, whether he's playing music from the old days and yeah. get some hits that probably aren't even on iTunes right now. He'll, he's going to play some stuff. He's probably breaking out the vinyl when he's praying. I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> but he's got some old school music that's going to get you jamming. So you want to follow him. Guys and gals of sports, too. Uh, you want to follow him on that. So. Go follow him on Instagram if you haven't. Go do it right now. And uh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for watching all the way from the UK. Thank you, uh, uh, Eric Parker, for your contribution to this as well. And uh, Eric Parker, that's my deacon. Yeah. Yeah. He Listen, he has been making sure we are up on all the information. So thank you so much. Uh, Shireen, thank you so much, Eric. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching this this uh, podcast live. And uh, please feel free to subscribe to our page and follow us. Write us at info at mcguireent.com. Also, if you want to uh, book him for any virtual concerts, the choir for any virtual concerts, write me. I'll make sure he gets the information, and uh, we'll go from there. Thank you so much, man. If if you wouldn't mind, uh, the people that are listening, people that are watching, could you just say one prayer uh, over this podcast? Absolutely. Father God, we thank you for this podcast that we have put in place for the building of your kingdom. God, I pray right now that someone was that was listening was encouraged. And not only were, were they encouraged now, but they'll be encouraged in the future, even when they go and replay it. God, I pray right now for Dr. Philip right now that you continue to enlarge his territory. Bless him beyond measure. Let him want for nothing. Let him lack nothing at all. 
and pour out blessings that he don't even have room enough to receive. Mm. Send healing and prosperity everywhere where it's needed. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. This is the Mega Voice Live podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, this broadcast. All right. Now somebody's going to go listen to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There you go. <laughs> Shout out to Mark Prentice. Another. Mark Prentiss, bless you. That's my guy right there. Okay. Yeah. My guy right there. He just lost his sister as well. So. Uh, God bless you, Mark, and your family. Our prayers are with you. But Mark Prince, you can check out his music too. In fact, I'm I'm putting the glue to Mark Prince singing for David Wright. I'm just putting it out there in the atmosphere. That's all I'm doing. We're gonna make it happen. We we're gonna make it happen, man. We need to have him on the project, bro. I'm yeah. telling you, this guy is like reincarnated Daryl Coley. <laughs> and oh, I, I know right. I know it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. We we gotta do it. We gotta make this collab happen. All right, everybody. God bless you in your journey. We'll see All you right, later. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Mega Voice Live Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. McGuire ENTV. M-C-G-U-I-R-E E-N-T-V. McGuire Entertainment Group. A new sound in the air.